0: I'm still calling it terrask, and I'm never saying terraskew, which is what's what's importantly wrong here.
1: Those are the people who also say Cobbled instead of Kobold.
0: Those filthy creatures deserve no respect on their name.
1: What if uh, I'm a Cobbled Cobbler?
0: And if your home is not of a single origin, it would be Cobbled too. It's a Cobbled, Cobbled, Cobbled. Live from the Mundangerous Center of the Earth in New York City, I'm your host Shane.
1: And I'm your host
0: Ishan, And welcome to episode 272 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're talking
1: about how to use that legendary kaiju, the Tarasque in your game. But first the party hitches a ride in the Gates of Morning campaign. And later, May has an ice wall coming up in the Character Creation Forge. Hi, Autumn here. Being a teenager can be hard, especially when you're the new girl in school. That's why it's important to study up on the changes your body will be going through. Especially if those changes happen
0: When a round pink alien turns you into magical girls
1: Even magical girls like us Have to deal with mean teachers Yeah, like those suspicious new male teachers And their boss, Miss Even though Miss is super hot
0: She and the other teachers are evil aliens in disguise Who torment students to feed off their emotions
1: But we're going to defeat them all With love and friendship And terrifyingly powerful magic and maybe a knife
0: yeah i'm gonna need you to roll for that
1: oh shit (laughs) (laughs) find out who triumphs on the latest season of bits before crits magical girls versus the male gaze we are the magical girls and the male gaze believe in elevating women's voices so they're not on this ad check out bits before crits available anywhere you listen to podcasts bits before crits bits before crits see you See you there
0: All right, Ishan, where are we in the Gates of Morning campaign?
1: The Gates of Morning campaign is our 5th edition D&D game set in Eberron, a sequel of sorts to the original Morning Glory campaign. And in southern Karnath, on the edge of the Mournland, the party is chasing a killer. So with the Mindseed pole and many of the experimental undead destroyed, the party resolves to clear out the rest of this complex they've learned that the water from the moorland used to make the creatures in the first place can also destroy them. So they decide to flood the entire compound.
0: So the group returns to Pol's lab and Lenore attempts to rewire the arcane apparatus that controls the flow of the waterfall. It shorts out and an arc of lightning sears her arm, but she soldiers on and when she believes he's rigged it to explode, uh, in about 10 minutes, we get to moving (laughs) Uh, hopefully we'll enlarge the waterfall enough to just sink deluge the entire complex
1: so of course they stop by the jail first because they are not monsters they grab the prisoner yurik and also this mysterious ball of blood in a glass sphere and then they all race down the long tunnel back toward the wasteland as they near the exit they hear a terrific explosion (laughs) far behind them, followed by a low roar. Not waiting to find out exactly what's going on, the party barges out of the front exit into the raised remains of the Jurassic compound and then dash to high ground.
0: Then a few minutes later, they can see the lowlands flooding as dark water pours out of the hidden holes dotting the landscape. Soon, all that remains is a small new lake.
1: You've put your mark on the map, finally.
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Lake Lake Jurasco compound.
1: (laughs) So they find the burrows that they left. Uh, They're thirsty but still alive, fortunately. And then they head back to the line of conductor stones. But though they wait for hours, no lightning rail shows up, so they're unable to hitch a ride that way.
0: So uh, not ones to be deterred after... Uh, a few hours of waiting, they make their way back to the nearest Orion trade route and hitch a ride back to Korth with a caravan. But once back in
1: Korth, Switch returns to one of her um, personas that she uses when uh, doing undercover work. This time it's back into the form of the striking blonde Carnathy Stash. She takes Yurik and leaves him at the Cathedral of the Sovereign Host and drops ten gold pieces into uh, a waiting priest's hands to ensure that yurik does get some proper care because of course he has been through a lot and he's not exactly in his right mind
0: then on the way to the orient enclave wilmo our uh, our friendly contact within the uh, house tarasco uh makes contact through the civis ring she doesn't give away her location in case someone is listening on her end but she tells them she is quote returning to her roots
1: She also explains that, well, really admits that during the last war, the secret Jurasco faction that she was working with that was trying to weaponize diseases was called triage, because they said they accepted that some people would need to die so that other people could live. Her latest research also reveals that Otho, the leader of triage, is still in Fairhaven, the capital of Ondaerj.
0: Though Bramble is wary of Wilmo's loyalties, the party shares their new information. Wilmo shows no sign of recognition when they tell her about Pole or Elaine, but she recalls a Gersey who was recruited by Otho two years ago, though as far as she knew, Gersey was a halfling, not a human child.
1: So as we've seen, a human child mindseed, I guess, is able to pass as a, a halfling, or at least able to make everyone say that she's a halfling, so... The party is skeptical. Right. And then they decide that they're going to head to Fairhaven to track down Otho once they're finally done in Korth. Wilma tells them that when they get there, she will have more information waiting for them at the House Galanda Enclave, the other dragonmarked house run by halflings. And when they show up, they're supposed
0: to ask to meet
1: Bimblefins.
0: And we'll find out what happens next, next week.
1: this week we are continuing our series on using iconic monsters in your game and this time we're talking about the tarasque not a kind of monster but a singular entity or at least should be in most games
0: the monster of myth and legend if you will right
1: i mean like uh, a lot of early dnd monsters it was just stolen from myth and legend
0: oh yeah and it's been uh, its pronunciation has been butchered ever since well, you know, it's,
1: it's French, right? It's a mythological monster from medieval France. I don't know how uh, French peasants pronounced uh, Tarasque. I assume Any it's ideas? Tarasque. Let's go with it. But so, I'm still calling it Tarasque, <laughs> and I'm never
0: saying Tarasque, which is what's what's importantly wrong here. <laughs>
1: Those are the people who also say Cobble. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what?
0: Oh. <laughs> Instead of Cobble. No, that's this is wrong. Both are correct. <laughs> Those filthy creatures deserve no respect on their name. <laughs>
1: what if uh i'm a cobbled cobbler uh-huh
0: then you're lucky <laughs> and betrayed <it, laughs> and if your home is not of a single origin it would be cobbled too it's a cobbled cobbled cobbled
1: all right so the tarasque originally was a dragon with the head of a lion the shell of a turtle the tail of a serpent the claws of a bear and it was originally defeated by saint martha
0: it's probably martha
1: let's go with that <laughs> I'm down. Uh, I S- think since we're getting French, <laughs> I think in I mean, speaking of French, I think in the story she like you know soothed the savage beast by like being all prayerful, and it was uh-huh. like it's fine, I'm not going to murder people anymore. And then when it came peacefully, all the peasants murdered it.
0: This that tells you a lot.
1: That that sounds like you know 1380s Catholicism to me.
0: <laughs> so D and D co opted. Tira- the Tarask as the original monster at the top of the food chain, the creature that even the gods fear—the indestructible, unstoppable destroyer of worlds. It is
1: fifty feet tall. It is seventy feet long. It has huge horns, sabers for teeth, giant claws, and a huge sweeping tail.
0: It also has a carapace that stops or reflects almost all spells. It's immune to fire, psionics, non-magical weapons, and swallows its
1: enemies whole. I I like that you know if you if you're familiar with the D and D Tarasque and then you look at some of the medieval depictions of it you're like oh I recognize it it's got a turtle shell in its back and like almost all depictions it's got like a person in its claw like halfway in its mouth and like yeah. their feet are just dangling and waving in the air and you're like yeah that's the Tarasque I know from D and D
0: except doofy because <laughs> it's you know Dark Ages art <laughs>
1: because they haven't figured out perspective <laughs> right. All right, it also regenerates like Wolverine, as in, like, if a freaking cell is left, it comes back to life. And can only be killed if you can actually figure out how to reduce it to negative hit points and then use a witch spell to keep it dead.
0: There have also been different variations throughout the years. 4th uh, edition, we got an aura that keeps creatures from flying too far away, uh, negating one of its weaknesses, namely that you just kite the angry monster.
1: Pathfinder just gave it a bunch of ranged attacks, which also makes sense i mean why why wouldn't it just like grab a a nearby house and just throw it at you right sure uh in Spelljammer, it's actually misunderstood i think they are like there are multiple tarasks they're like a a race of like animalistic uh rock eaters i think uh and when they are introduced to planets with a nitrogen rich atmosphere it makes them go insane and in fly into a murderous rage Mm -hmm. but in 5e Personally, I think 5e is probably the worst D&D version of the Tarask that we've ever gotten. It doesn't have regeneration. There, There is no clause in there about how it can only be killed with the wish spell or like there's no way to defeat it. And when it is reduced to zero hit points, it returns to the center of the earth to slumber, you know, until someone awakens it again. It doesn't have any ranged attacks. It's really just like a big bruiser that with like some relatively simple tactics and kiting and maybe a fly spell, you can just handle on your own.
0: Yeah, I like the the theory crafting of how to kill the Tarasque with uh, with a cantrip. Right, it's acid (laughs) splash, isn't it? It's acid splash, yeah. (laughs) Great. I mean, plus one longbow will do it eventually, too. Right. (laughs) But at what cost? (laughs) Uh, All of the peasants, but that's fine. Hirelings are cheap. Yeah, it's fine. Also, don't accuse me of a five-minute workday. Yeah, this took
1: 45 minutes. (laughs) Uh, Also... Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, the latest uh, official adventure from wizards of the Coast, introduces a legendary single-use item, the Scroll of Tarasque Summoning, that summons the Tarasque, the like the actual Forgotten Realms uh within a mile of you, somewhere within line of sight, where it rampages until it gets tired and is hostile to all creatures. Sweet, cool. People yeah. are going to ruin their games with that.
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean <laughs> I mean
1: it's forgotten realms.
0: Or find out how disappointing the Tarask is.
1: <laughs> yeah, in five E. wow Oh, we uh huh, we killed it. What happens now? Oh, it's dead. It's just dead.
0: Yeah, I guess we're level eleven now.
1: Right. <laughs> so in your game, if you're gonna use the Tarask, you do wanna consider the lore around the creature. And I, I actually think there are two kinds of lore here. One is what is the lore of the Tarask in your setting? And the other, what is the lore of the Tarasque at your table? Think does the Tarasque ex- exist in your setting? What do people know about it? Like, what does the peasant say about the Tarasque? Or what do they think they know about the Tarasque?
0: Yeah, and then I, I think that at-your-table thing is important because you're you're dealing with an iconic monster here, um, and, and because it is such a single legendary-type monster, like you don't get a second chance at beefing up dragons or, uh, you know, oh, well, those are weak-mind flayers, and there's elder-mind flayers that you have to deal with, right? Like This isn't that kind of monster. You really only get one crack at the Tarrasque, so you want to make sure that you're creating the experience for your players that they expect when they're going to get that story of, oh, that time we killed the Tarrasque.
1: Right there's no dire taraque <laughs> right <laughs> um yeah, like I think one of the first things veteran d and d players do is when you get a new edition of d and d is like you crack open the monster man and then you look at the tarasque right yeah,
0: it's, it's like dragons, beholders, and andtarasques. That's my first T- thing I look for
1: <laughs> right it's like the platonic ideal of like how was this uh this system designed
0: right when you think about the lore of the Tarsque, if it's real, then there are probably terrifying legends um there's probably some interpretation of that is it a punishment on behalf of the gods or is it just a scary story that's told to children that nobody believes in um is it is it something that must be managed that that wakes periodically that must be prepared for
1: yeah, and I think this has a lot to do with what part of the world that you're in and how long has it been since the Tarasque was last there right <laughs> like is it living memory or it was it you know a thousand years ago and you know the legend says that the the four ravines over there were carved by the claws of the Tarasque. Like, well, maybe they actually were. So all of this information will determine how your PCs are going to respond to rumors of the Tarasque, uh, or, or, you know, how they'll respond to its sudden entrance if you end up just sort of springing it on them. Veteran players are going to be super excited to face it. That's just going to happen. I don't think I've ever been in a group where the Tarasque showed up with people who, like, had played D&D before. And they weren't like, oh, yes.
0: Yeah, the Tarrasque is definitely a limit test.
1: So in-game, this means that characters, though, should be terrified of meeting it. Um, or, or even maybe just the prospect of meeting it, right? Like hearing about it. Someone's like, um, I, don't, I don't know. I think, uh, I think that might be the Tarrasque that they're trying to summon. Everyone should be like, oh, are you kidding me? What? Like, it, it's fantasy weapons of mass destruction. Every Like, there should be a record scratch and people should go, nope, that's a bad idea. That should not happen.
0: Right. Or if it's happening, we must stop it.
1: Right. Like, even this is like a, a nice uniter for parties with, like, multiple alignments. Or, you know, if you really want to reason that your your party from disparate parts of the world has gotten together, like, we have to stop the Tarrasque. It doesn't matter what your alignment is. It doesn't matter what God you worship. It, it's just like, well, we all live here. So we would like it not to be stripped bare.
0: Right. Okay, so let's talk about the characterization of the Tarrasque in your game. What is it like? Yeah, like the, the big monster itself. And I think first
1: you want to lead up to its reveal. You know, what are the signs of its presence? If you are hunting the Tarrasque or, you know, you're not even sure if it's the Tarrasque that you're talking about, but you come across like, you know huge uh, stretches of the forest that have been completely denuded, or entire villages that have been smashed into rubble, and every person has been eaten does what does the ranger think of the eight foot tall feces?
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or you know the uh, the entire trees ripped like out by their roots, you know, the 40 foot oak tree tossed casually aside.
1: Right, like someone kicked over you know a box of matches, right. And then as you're getting closer and you you think you might actually be facing it, what are the sounds from a distance? What is its roar like? What are the screams of the people it is eating like?
0: Yeah, you want that T-Rex roar moment, right? Like that first freight train sound of just like, oh, this is going to end up terribly.
1: Yeah, like Jurassic Parks a, a great um a great inspiration here cuz like before you get the roar, you get the thud and the water right moving right like that's that's a sign of like you don't know what it is but you know it's something really big and it's coming this way
0: and then also keep in mind there is actually a fear aura around the tarrasque um this will impact other people too maybe maybe less so even on the the pcs but you know if they walk through a village that the tarrasque has just ravaged They'll find survivors, you know people get lucky, but will they really be intelligible? Will they just be babbling will they will they be able to give any useful information, or is the the, the sheer terror that they're displaying kind of the only indicator you get that it's something like the tarasque
1: yeah, I love that idea actually, like you get three villagers who are basically gone out of their minds with fear and it's almost like you know the the story of the seven blind men describing an elephant like one is is describing like it's terrible claws and the other is, is describing like the the giant serpent tail that like just sweeps everything aside and then you know you put those together and you go oh it's a dinosaur or right. an elephant right is that what we're dealing with an yeah. old font <laughs> right <laughs> and shane you kind of mentioned this earlier like you get one chance to make your initial description as a GM like when your players f- first see the tarasque. Take that opportunity to to embellish, to like really describe what they're seeing, like what is what does its skin look like? Does it see them? You know, how does it make them feel inside? Because remember, like every version of D&D has a different Tarasque. Veteran players are going to be like what is this one like, you know? And they're also going to be like mining that description for information about like, what are its abilities and how do I kill it? And then new players are going to be like, what in the hell? And they're watching everyone else at the table. And they're like, I guess this is a big deal, huh?
0: (laughs) I also keep in mind like the Tarask burrows, right? So I love the idea of like stumbling upon it, like taking a nap, you know, maybe only its head is out and it's kind of camouflaged. And then like, as the trail has gone cold, the uh, the party is kind of kicking around ideas, and then an eye opens, and then like slowly at rising out of the ground, this thing towers over them, and you just get like that uh that that oh shit moment, <laughs> you know, of like the must go faster, must go faster. <laughs>
1: Expeditious retreat was a good idea today, right?
0: right. Like uh, you almost kind of want it in a way that like they just immediately know that they cannot take this thing without. Careful preparation, and mm-hmm. so the first time they encounter it, you almost want them to run, right? Like you almost just want them to fail their fear, and enough of them just have to bug out and then let them prep and then come back and kind of hunt the tarask and and sort of go at it with a plan that may or may not be smashed to bits in you know one round, but like at least have a have a sense of like, okay, we're here for it now,
1: yeah. And this gives them some information, you know, if if they do get sort of a taste of the Tarask, or or maybe this is, you know, research or lore or, or information or trying to question these babbling villagers. But it tells you how does the tarasque act? Is it a mindless monster? In a lot of versions, it has like an intelligence of one. Sometimes it's a little bit higher than animal intelligence. But it could just be like, You know, it's running a basic AI program, which is smash things that move. Smash
0: eat. Smash eat. Right.
1: But you could also play it like a canny predator. Like the biggest, baddest, most terrifying wolf you have ever seen.
0: Like the Godzilla treatment from the 2000 (laughs) Godzilla film? Uh,
1: Yeah. And like like a lot of people play dragons, right? Yeah. Which is, sure, it has an intelligence of three. It can't speak. It doesn't like... You know, have abstract thoughts, but it understands, you know, how fast something is moving and how quickly it needs to move. And like it understands its own abilities and like how many of these little tiny delicious creatures it can kill in a single round, you know? (laughs) Right. You can also play it directed by an outside force. And, you know, this again will tap into your lore. Like it was it summoned by a wizard that now has some sort of control over it that is either directing its actions very vaguely, like destroy that town or kill this person, or is it like, you know, almost dominated where, you know, someone is, someone nearby is controlling its its actions every single round.
0: Then there's a question of how are the PCs going to respond to this? So we, we mentioned the fear aura, right? So there's usually a mechanical kind of response, but then also what are the characters own history with the creature? Like, what do they know? What have they heard? Um, how do they feel about it? You know, if you're a knight of a holy order who is sworn to protect the world devourer or protect against the world devourer, well, hey, this is what you're here for, right? But if you're, uh, you know, maybe somebody else with a little less worldly worldly knowledge, like, that might just be a terrifying uh, tale from your childhood, now a nightmare come to life.
1: And then also tie, tap into your player's history with the monster, you know, like, this doesn't even need to necessarily be a part of your game, but people tell stories. They tell war stories. They they tell about the time in a previous edition or with a different character that they met the Tarasque, or here's how we beat it the first time, or whatever. Right? People theorycraft, like like you said, Shane, like, oh, if I met the Tarasque, here's what I would do. Well, I would not acid splash.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I would come a little more prepared than Acid Splash. <laughs>
1: but you know what people at your table think about it, you know, unless you're playing a con game. So lean into those. Like if someone was like, I'm definitely going to do this thing, either like maybe have that be an interesting tactic that gets you somewhere or doesn't work at all. And people are like, ah, okay, I probably shouldn't have been talking about that at the table out loud. Huh? Another thing about the fear aura, again, a lot of this can be gamed if that is interesting for the party. Like, it's a it's a pretty difficult fear aura to overcome. But if you do succeed or if you are afraid and then someone um, like fixes that issue, you know, like, you know, cures you the fear or whatever, removes the effect, it doesn't affect you for 24 hours, which means now you've got a window. If you can like get in there, fail and then succeed or get in there and succeed, now you're immune. Now you have like this window of opportunity to f- actually fight the Tarrasque without having to deal with the fear aura.
0: All right, let's talk about some ways to use the Tarask in your game. Uh, what type of what type of monster is this going to be for your game?
1: Yeah, a lot of options here. First one, maybe the the easiest one is the existential threat. You can just put it behind a curtain. You know, you don't necessarily have to run the Tarask. Its shadow can just loom over the entire campaign. You know, someone is trying to release it. And of course, if that happens, it's game over. Like make it very clear if the Tarask comes, everything ends. You all die. Right. It might even be something that's prophesied, right? Like there's a dark prophecy about like, here's how the world will end. Ragnarok is the Tarask. Mm-hmm. On the flip side though, you can have Chekhov's Tarask, which might be more fun depending on your party. Like the whole game is you're trying to prevent its arrival, but inevitably it finally is summoned. Someone succeeds. Yeah.
0: Well, somebody left that stupid scroll of Tarrasque summoning sitting around and someone read it.
1: That's right. And someone also rolled an 11 on their lore check and that's not good enough right so it does finally show up at some point but is the party prepared to actually defeat it now because they've been doing all this scrambling the entire game to like try to figure out how to prevent it from being summoned and in the meantime they've learned about its weaknesses or like you know the one spell that can actually bind it forever or whatever
0: yeah i like that i mean that's the that that makes the terrace the centerpiece of your campaign um certainly in in the grand DD tradition that isn't always how it works um Keep in mind, it's the Tarasque, right? It might not be caused by the direct action of the PCs or NPCs. There might be no cause of the Tarrasque. It's just a force of nature. It's just a force of nature, and sometimes it wakes up and rampages. Uh, when that happens, like, being the biggest, baddest heroes in the world means that you get to deal with it, and so that's our arc this time.
1: Right. Uh, you you rolled Tarasque on the random events, at the beginning of this arc
0: (laughs) yeah sweet table (laughs) you
1: may not have known this but the world rolls on this table every season
0: yeah well 2020 rolled
1: bad oh god (laughs) someone picked up too many dice right so in
0: this instance
1: what happens like what is the story does the party just try to escape from a rampaging tarrasque that has reawakened after you know 400 years that is actually an interesting story it's just oh my God, we're in this city. The tarasque is going to destroy the entire city. We need to get out of here. And, you know, you're running and it's smashing down buildings and you're trying to make sure that you're not, you know, crushed by rubble or trampled by crowds. More heroically, you could be trying to evacuate this town, this town and getting as many people to safety as possible. Right. Like a force of nature, it could also be that the party is like, I guess we're the bait and we're going to try to redirect the direction it's going to go in.
0: Yeah, like maybe we can keep it away from that major metropolitan area and lead it out into this relatively harmless farmland. Or maybe just, you know, out to sea. Can it swim? I don't know. I guess we'll find out. We need a barge large enough to transport the Tarrasque.
1: (laughs) Or I'm going to need an entire forest of gopher wood. (laughs) Something to measure cubits. Or is it just try to survive the destruction when the Tarask destroys the world all of these are are valid options when you're dealing with it just you know make sure people are on board with like the destruction of the entire campaign world
0: if you don't want to treat the Tarask as an existential threat you can also treat it as a puzzle um keep in mind uh through editions and and even in fifth edition there's a lot of unique abilities and unique qualities that come along with the Tarask. so based on what's going on in your setting, your game, what your players' expectations are, you can choose the version of the Tarrasque that makes it most interesting and let them sort of solve the challenge of navigating these abilities in order to overcome it.
1: Right. Like, the tarasque on the face of it is an unfair fight. It is supposed to win if you're not prepared or you don't know how to defeat it. So this is a chance for veteran players to you know, finally test their theories, right? They've probably spent years devising the best strategy. You mentioned acid splash. I remember in 3.5, the big thing was like, oh, just, you know, get it into a pit of water and then drown it because it's not immune to drowning. Uh, Gating it to space, I think, is one thing that works as well because uh, I think there's a theory that if it's not on the Earth, its regeneration stops.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah. That's convenient only if there is space. (laughs)
1: That's uh, why why we... Brought a spell jammer. Uh, right. <laughs> this is also a good scenario for skill based characters. The party might be able to sur- to survive a front assault from the Tarask for a little while. They might even be able to like beat it into unconsciousness if they're really tough. But how do you keep it there?
0: Alternatively, you might just be trying to get it to go back to sleep. Right. Um. Maybe you do need to defeat it in order to do that. But but really, the goal here isn't to trap it. Or it's just to. Get it to return to the center of the Earth and restart its slumber.
1: Yeah, this sort of harkens back to the original Tarask myth, right? Where it isn't defeated by force of arms, but by you know piety and and prayer and like general niceness. You know, maybe that's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's maybe it's music. It's the bard. Yeah, the bard that's, is always the key. That's how
0: you defeat the uh, the Martians,
1: and how you defeat the devil. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so you might not need to face it in direct combat at all um and maybe you know that's a thing that this particular party would not be able to do maybe it's not possible for anybody in this setting to face the tarrasque you know face to face
0: and then keep in mind that this can be sort of a drawn-out process uh you can make research and questing for materials to put your plan in place the whole basis um You know, it it seems like the terrasse shows up. You must fight it immediately. But keep in mind, like, it's an epic monster. It does what it wants. Uh, It can be terrorizing the countryside and then disappear for days or weeks at a time while it takes a break and then returns. You know, it's immortal. It's infinite. It has as much time in the world. There's no need to rush the destruction of everything.
1: Right. Like, its goal isn't to destroy the world. Its goal is, like, I'm hungry right and then sometimes i'm sleepy
0: and then sometimes i ate too much turkey (laughs)
1: literally i ate the country of turkey exactly
0: (laughs) and now i rest in the balkans (laughs) where it still is
1: but yeah you can you know you can have an entire arc where you're like trying to get all the components for the the arrow of Tarasque slumber right and like now you're armed and you're like okay let's go hunt down the Tarasque because that's a stupid idea but i guess we're (laughs) the only ones who can do it right it's also possible, though, you could have the Tarasque sprung on people, right? Evil wizard is trying to complete a ritual. You don't know what it is. Um, I thought he was just, you know, going to kill all the firstborn in the world. But turns out, no, it's summon the Tarasque, which is to kill all the born in the world. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Why stop <up> at first?
1: <laughs> so in this instance, uh, it's basically like alternative combat objectives, right? Like you're trying to avoid the tarasque or like someone's keeping it busy and trying to stay alive or maybe not maybe like trying to keep it busy and dies heroically while everyone else is like figuring out his weaknesses through trial and error or like making lore checks or whatever
0: yeah and a big part of this is going to be the stakes right like the the tarrasque needs to be confronted when it's threatening something the players care about it can't be a random village in the countryside it needs to be you know their home village or it needs to be a major city or it needs to be like the um you know, the the center of power of the benevolent uh, queen.
1: Right. Like, And even if you aren't there, right? If, even if the Tarasque hasn't been summoned in the middle of, like, you know, the the queen's court, uh, you could be 100 miles north of the queen's court in this field. But you know that if the Tarask eats all of you, the next thing it's going to do is head to the biggest population center where all your friends are.
0: Right. And since the Tarrasque, that 100 miles will be covered in about 45 minutes. <laughs>
1: You can also use the Tarask as just a straight-up tactical challenge. That is okay to do. Maybe you just want to have the toughest fight that the game system that you're playing has to offer, and the Tarask is supposed to be able to provide that.
0: Yeah. So whatever version you're running, uh, whichever game, the Tarask is probably going to need tweaking to deal with the specifics of your party. Mm -hmm. Um, because what you want to make sure is that you're offering them a good fight that is thematically appropriate for the tarrasque even if it isn't literally what's in the book
1: yeah like every version of the tarrasque that is printed in a book is solved it's a solved game like people know the best way to handle it there's like that one spell that happens to get by the particular wording of its abilities and like this is how you kill it that exists and that needs to be accounted for because if you have veteran players who know that like the point here, isn't that they find the one easy way to kill the Tarask. The point is that you have a, a a cool epic fight where everybody's like spending all of their resources. You want to make sure that the outcome of this fight is not a foregone conclusion.
0: Right. Which doesn't necessarily mean it's the end of the campaign, right? Uh, If you lose the Tarask fight, you might live, right? People survive the Tarask. Um, they just survived the Tarask accidentally or incidentally and and everything they love and know is destroyed in the process.
1: <laughs> right. You dimension it away. That was successful for you, I guess.
0: Right. Exactly. <laughs> but but at what cost?
1: And then you can also use the Tarask as a template. Like as just a stat block on a piece of paper. It is a very good base for end game creatures in any setting. You want to run Tiamat and you don't happen to have Rise of Dragons with the Tiamat stat block, use the Tarask and tweak it. You want to run the dragon in Dark Sun and there are no Dark Sun books that you have? Use the Tarask and tweak it. The Midgard Serpent that, you know, holds the edge of the world in? Use the Tarask, Tweak it. Yeah,
0: any of the uh, overlords in Eberron, start with the Tarask. Flavor accordingly. <laughs>
1: You can even like even at the when it's not the end of your game, you can grab some of the Trask's special abilities and just stick them on other monsters to make them cooler monsters. Like a low level creature that <laughs> can only be permanently killed by a wish spell suddenly is a recurring villain.
0: Yeah, <laughs> or a recurring friend.
1: Uh, yeah, that's true. Oh, I got I got smote again. You didn't protect me that time. It hurt. It hurt a lot.
0: A recurring scout.
1: <laughs> that's what familiars are for. Right. I would definitely wish to permanently kill somebody else's familiar. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a bad man. <laughs>
0: let's see, that's what limited wish used to be for. Right. Right? For petty <laughs> actions that still require wish. All right, let's talk about combat with the Tarasque.
1: So it's an endgame scenario. Like, the Tarask is the definition of a solo encounter. It has no minions. It has no troops. It has no allies. It does not care about any of that stuff. It doesn't scheme at all. It hunts, it kills, and it eats.
0: Yep, it doesn't have any magic weapons or spells. It doesn't have any subtlety or subterfuge. It can't be reasoned with. It's immune to charm, dominate, mind tricks, everything that you would think to befuddle it. It just doesn't work on the poor guy.
1: It has no regard for its own safety. It is voracious and it is unrelenting, which is a great strength, but it can also be a weakness.
0: Yeah, that means you can goad it into doing things that you want. It can be led along a path. Uh, It might fall easily for traps, um, though not because it didn't sense them. It has blindsight, so it won't just (laughs) step into a pit.
1: (laughs) Right. That we filled with water. So it drowned. Now it sees that. It sees yeah. That.
0: Right. Um, you know, and, and also like depending on your sort of uh, how you've classified the Tarrasque, right? Like it might not l- be let out onto thin ice. Like it might be wise enough to not fall for that type of thing, though it is drawn towards, you know, more attractive targets
1: also even if it does fall on the ice um it has a strength of 30 it swims just fine
0: uh, yeah <laughs> but does it freeze
1: mm, it is reptilian interesting yeah. interesting interesting <laughs> it's
0: also mammalian so tough it,
1: interesting <laughs> <laughs> so consider in in this particular game with this particular trask, what are its weaknesses you know gm decide what its weaknesses are players Try to find them out because that's the only way you're going to kill this thing.
0: Yeah, and and, and try to think about how you can maybe um, make those weaknesses glow a little bit. Uh, you know, aim here uh, if, you're, <laughs> if your party is really struggling to figure out how to solve this problem.
1: I'm, I just need a sparrow to tell me which little hole in its armor it has in its belly. That's all exactly, I need.
0: Exactly. Which, which two scales do I slot this arrow <laughs> through?
1: I brought the black arrow and damn it, it's the wrong creature to smite. <laughs> this is a dragon slaying arrow not cool <laughs> so if you're running the tarasque, the main tactic that you have at your disposal is of course the old claw claw bite or in this case the claw claw gore gore bite swallow sweep
0: uh that's my favorite combination in mike tyson's <laughs> punch out sweep all the legs <laughs> uh in terms of defense it's not going to really dedicate any of its tactics to those it's going to rely on being immortal and having <laughs> a bunch of immunities
1: i it knows it's immune to fire right like it's just going to run into fire. Right. It does not care. Exactly. It bum rushes the nearest edible thing. It kills it and it eats it, or it just eats it without killing it
0: first. It may attack larger threats that can actually hurt it if it if it feels threatened. Um, you know, it may get into a fight or flight type of uh of logic pattern, but it also might not. <laughs> like it might foolishly believe that it is immune and immortal.
1: Yeah, it's very reasonable to have a Tarrasque that doesn't doesn't have a retreat option in its head, right? Right. This is a a kind of a nice way to sort of turn the tables or to like keep the fight, the flow of the fight moving, right? Like the Tarask is smashing everything in its path and, you know, the fighter is trying to tank it and there's a healer behind him or or whatever. And the wizard is like, all right, I've been experimenting with all these kinds of spells. Let's try radiant energy. You know, let's see if it's immune to this. Hey, turns out it's not. It took half damage on a save. It didn't like that, and it was a little surprised by that. What's the next move by the Tarasque? Kill the mage. Right, yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Uh, And then the Tarasque should also alter the environment around it. You know, it tears up the ground, it throws trees, it smashes buildings to, you know, scrabble at the creatures that are inside. It's a force of nature, right? Like, if the battleground is just a, a flat, plain, white, field uh (laughs) perfectly constructed for theory crafting you're kind of missing part of the appeal of having a a, you know several story tall monstrous kaiju running around your countryside
1: right i mean if it is on a flat field have it end up not being a flat field right it leaves footprints in its wake it like picks up a piece of the terrain and you know a a piece of like the sedimentary bedrock it throws at you right and i would say that I don't know, Shane. What do you think about this? Like, normally in these episodes, we say like the best, the most optimal tactics for the creature are not necessarily the best tactics for a, a fight. But I think the the most optimal tactics, the the ones that make sense for the tarasque actually probably are in this instance the ones that you want to use for a memorable, interesting fight.
0: Yeah, I think that's true. Um, with the caveat that its complete inability to deal with flight in fifth edition <laughs> sort of yeah like you know it's the best tactics for a memorable fight for for a true 5th edition terasgar give it some way to deal with flight <laughs> yeah
1: yeah yeah you i mean i guess anything can make an improvised attack by throwing it but by raw i think that does like 1d6 damage yeah it would
0: be a little silly so you, you just but i agree you know the um like the Tarask is one of those things where you just want it to be um cunning or brutal (laughs) or brutal yet cunning (laughs) but just like it just goes for it you know it it doesn't have so so the thing about the tarrasque is that it's immune to a lot of things but on its end all it really does is damage and occasionally swallow things Mm. um and like swallowing a creature is not the end of its involvement in the combat in 5th edition, especially in high-level 5th edition. So, like, just go for it, right? Like, just lean into it, deal piles of damage, swallow things, like, let them figure out how to, you know, dimension door out of its stomach. Like, it's fine. It doesn't do the kinds of things that we usually warn against, which are, you know, heavy crowd control and debuff, uh, domination, um, counter spell, and other kind of, like, you know just denial of action type activities like the terrace doesn't do that it just hits you and it hits you hard um force that dodge
1: yeah like it should be a a whirlwind of attacks and terrifying amounts of damage once you add it all up
0: i, I will say the one thing the one tactic to shy away from is like the all-in attack right like all seven of its attacks go with the same target in fifth edition Like that means like four or five people are sitting around doing nothing on its turns. And also you're probably killing a character every other turn.
1: Yeah. It's, it's probably more fun and, you know, makes more sense as a creature that's trying to eat people. If it's like, all right, two claws on this, a bite over here, a sweep with my tail in the back. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, play it with reckless abandon. Like the Tarask doesn't take damage from non-magical sources. Like it can leap off a mountain and land with no problem. It also <laughs> lands on its feet because it takes no damage.
0: Well, with <laughs> no problem for itself. right. <laughs> <laughs> who knows who knows about that idyllic mountain town <laughs> or the dwarves underneath?
1: <laughs> right? Base camp did not survive right. <laughs> like and it it knows its weaknesses. so it knows it can jump off these things. It does not care right. All right, so maybe you have finally come to the point where someone's trying to kill it. It should never be just a slugfest, though. Like, we're talking about trying these tactics to make it interesting, to spread around the damage, to, like, get everybody involved in the fight. What you don't want is one person standing in front of it and not moving because you don't want to take an opportunity attack. And the Tarrasque also just standing there, and they just, like, roll dice at each other.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Maybe that's the case where you want that all in. (laughs) (laughs)
1: You get out of my way. Or just,
0: I mean, ignore the thing standing there. Who cares, right? Um, right. What's it going to do? Take an
1: opportunity attack against you? <laughs> right. You have 676 hit points and you regenerate. <laughs>
0: the The important part is getting the creature down to zero is not enough, right? Something else needs to happen to the um, which means something might happen need to happen intermittently while you arrange for whatever it is in lore that's necessary to banish or kill the Tarask. Uh, You might need to find some way to um, keep it neutralized even while it's still regenerating.
1: And in true good puzzle fashion, maybe there doesn't have to be a specific answer that you've decided ahead of time, right? Um, If your players come up with a reasonable answer that you think could work, you can go for it or, you know, let it have a chance of working at least. Also, maybe there just is no way to kill it forever. You can only bind it for a limited amount of time. But, you know, here's hoping we get the maximum amount of time.
0: Right. Um, also, if the players brought Wish, well, Wish should probably do it. It says if,
1: it right on the box.
0: Yeah, Wish, guaranteed to banish Tarrasks.
1: It's really unfair to be like, all right, we did this. I figured out how to how to get a Wish. We're going to spend it on this. Well, let me just monkey paw this thing.
0: (laughs) Over 99% effective (laughs) at
1: killing Tarasks. If you do get to plan to face this thing, that should basically be a quest in and of itself. Um, You can find out a lot about its weaknesses so that you're prepared when you're going up against it. Line and ray spells don't work at all. Those are a waste of time. Forget them completely. Probably it's better to focus on saving throws, even though you know most of those are going to fail. You still want to be able to burn through its resistances
0: yeah most of uh, the elemental and exotic damage types will work so your radiance your uh your thunder yeah right
1: nobody ever takes sonic resistance <laughs> right find a way to negate its regeneration that is going to be the thing that uh, keeps you hacking at it all day long
0: yeah I, I mean I think that just leans on the the fact that you've got to shorten up this fight right like you can't out sustain the tarrasque you mm. need to shorten the fight to win so what can you do to make sure that it dies or it goes to zero as quickly as possible
1: yeah this is something to, to keep in mind like you know in 5e there's basically bounded accuracy and you can get your ac pretty high but the tarrasque has a plus 19 to hit it's gonna hit you
0: yeah yeah that makes it tough when it's hitting on a you know six right <laughs> if you're well- <laughs> ac specialized or <laughs> fetishized
1: uh, but pretty much every version of the Tarask is guaranteed to hit. Like, um, what was it, Thacko in 2nd edition? Like a negative 5, I think sure. it was. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so no one can last long in direct confrontation with it. A, a tank who is f- supported by a de- dedicated healer can probably buy a few rounds while other people are escaping or figuring it out. Um, You said swallowing is fine, but I would keep in mind that for a creature that can't like teleport out of the swallow. The you can do enough damage to try to get it to regurgitate you, but the the gate on that is the Tarask making a constitution saving throw. Like you can't succeed at a thing in order to get out of its stomach. It needs to fail and it's got a really low chance of failing. Yeah. Let's talk about some magic or magic items that are tied to the Tarask. If you actually can kill the Tarask, this should give you the access to the best items in the game. It's carapace, it's teeth, it's blood. All of those things are one worth a ton of money, but also you should be able to take those to some sort of Smith or have your artificer whose eyes should be bugging out of their face. Make any legendary item that you want in the book.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Or, you know, who knows what treasure is amassed in its stomach. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like it is, it is just eaten all the treasure of the world. Uh, on its last awakening um what what's still in there yeah what
1: kind of ancient relics i mean maybe that's why you have to kill it or maybe not kill it maybe you need to get into its stomach and get a thing and get out right but like that's the thing that saved the world 8000 years ago
0: right um there's also like you know it's parts you know you mentioned can can be used to create powerful magic items it's it can also just be powerful reagents used for hand wavy npc spell casting right so just killing the tarasque is not the only thing you have to deal with like who ends up with pieces of the tarasque like what what happens after it dies is also a powerful question especially since you know the tarrasque is a little underpowered in fifth edition you only really need to be like level 13 to deal with it (laughs) (laughs) so what are you going to do for seven more levels we'll deal with the fallout of a dead tarrasque and the black market for all of its bits
1: yeah, uh, the Salt in Wounds campaign setting, which I think this is written for 5e and Pathfinder, takes this sort of to the logical extreme where the Tarrasque wasn't killed. It was just bound and a city was built on its back and they just tap it for magical reagents. They like bleed it and like cut off chunks of its flesh and they make a lot of money and are very powerful magically because of this.
0: Right, yeah. It's also, uh, you know, uh, Tarrasque-lent green for dinner. <laughs> it's delicious
1: why is this so good (laughs) right it feels like it expands in my stomach and then of course in 5e now recently we have the scroll of tarrasque summoning um no spoilers but there is a paragraph or two in rhyme of the frost maiden about like what happens if the Tarask gets free and like it isn't destroyed here are all the places that it destroys and here's how it might you know affect your particular game yeah but like just the ability to be like, uh we're gonna bring the Tarask to a location is I mean, it, it should be like the main MacGuffin of a campaign if this thing exists.
0: It seems big. It's, it <laughs> seems like it seems big. I don't know. Uh,
1: okay. Right. Not just the thing that like, oh, I found in a horde. Yeah. Although I guess that would be a place that you found it.
0: It's like look, Mistra, step aside for one edition, okay? Your boy's summoning a Tarask. <laughs> Look Mi- spell plague right here.
1: <laughs> Look, Mistra, we're replacing you again <laughs> yeah. with the Tarask. <laughs> uh
0: so I know we've talked about using the Tarask in our campaign, right? It was famously one of our uh, uh, end battles uh in the gate uh in the Morning Glory campaign. But uh, where else have you used the Tarasque, Ishan?
1: I mean I've used it as a template for pretty much every big bad. Like it's a starting point to say, all right, what what is a reasonable amount of A reasonable amount of ridiculous damage what is a reasonable amount of ridiculous um like longevity for a creature Mm -hmm. if it's like basically one of the end bosses of your game yeah um i believe angelo used at least parts of the tarasque stat block to uh, make the dragon from dark sun and that was a pretty epic fight
0: yeah it's certainly more epic than when i used it as a kid (laughs) <laughs> uh, which was the the previous time that I'd used the tarask which was just throwing it at my third or fourth level party uh, and letting them deal with it and dying because you know what D&D was cheap back then <laughs> I thought the boulet was bad but then you just
1: went straight for the Tarasque.
0: Uh, separate separate events the boulet the <laughs> so, so, the boulette <laughs> speaking of <laughs> french uh, was uh, was kind of incidental um the Tarasque was intentional I don't know if that makes it better or worse I, I don't know what to tell you about 12-year-old me. <laughs> 14-year-old me? 14-year-old
1: me. 27-year-old you. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone should have, like every D&D player should have Tarasque stories. And if you don't have them yet, that's okay. It just means that you're in for a treat when you eventually get them.
0: Yeah, you got to go earn your, uh, your Tarasque stripes.
1: <laughs> and if you're a GM and you've never run the Tarasque, I mean, do it. You know, like, it doesn't need to be the end boss of your game, but there's a way to work it into your game at at pretty much, I mean, not any level, but no matter how long your campaign is going, there's a way to work it in. Like, you don't necessarily have to do a head-to-head fight with the thing.
0: Yeah. All right. Do you hear that, Ishan?
1: The sound of a T-Rex mixed with the sound of a rhino mixed with the sound of a steam engine, and it's coming right for us.
0: Well, that can only mean one thing. It's time to move on to the character creation forge and reroll some heroes see how we can stop it but before we do that let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us we do love hearing from you you can tweet at shane at mundangerous that's m-u-n dangerous and you can tweet at addition at
1: evil sans carne that's malice minus meat
0: and you can tweet at the show at tpt cast
1: you can also email us at totalpartythrill at gmail.com
0: and you can find us on the web at www.totalpartythrill.com
1: we're also on facebook and instagram at Total Party Thrill.
0: And join the conversation on Discord. There's a link in the show notes.
1: So, Overwatch continues. And this week we've got May. Uh, who the heck is May? Uh,
0: so, May is a, uh, a, I guess, a, an environmental scientist. Uh, she's a Chinese member of the Overwatch team. She has a, an endothermic blaster that slows and freezes enemies uh, or it fires icicles at them. Um, She can also cryo-freeze herself into an ice block to heal herself and gain immunity. Uh, She can create ice walls, and she also, as her ultimate ability, summons a blizzard that will then slow and eventually freeze enemies as well.
1: Okay, but can she create life from nothing? No. Then Elsa wins. (laughs) All right, so I'm guessing we're basically just like taking the litany of themed ice spells here
0: going full ice yeah (laughs) turns out it's pretty straightforward (laughs) all right what's the build the build is uh dragon sorcerer 6 evocation wizard 14
1: all right so dedicated listeners of the forge are now yelling at you know their podcast player what i'm about to say which is we didn't take Warlock 5 for Tomb of Levistas, which no. seems very on-brand.
0: It does, uh, except that uh, Tomb of Levistus scales 5 points per uh, Warlock level, and Warlocks do not get all of the iconic spells that you need um, in order to really get all of the, like, ice effects. So I didn't want to split it. It's not all that great when you, um, when you don't have full Warlock. And also, like, it costs you a whole round, like a a whole turn in order to use, so it's not even like that fun.
1: Right, the Tarrasque is going to eat you. It's just going to swallow the whole ice
0: block. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Ain't no rule about that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so from 11 levels of Wizard to start off, you'll get 6-level spells, uh, Sculpt spells as an Evoker, which lets you choose creatures that automatically succeed on saves versus your Evocation spells and take no damage because of it.
0: You will also get at 6 level Potent Cantrip, so uh, this will force um, targets to take half damage even when they successfully save versus your cantrip, so it's always good to have the guaranteed damage. Um, you've got the Frostbite spell, will give you that saving throw, versus Ray of Frost, which is an attack. Uh, and then at level 10 we'll get Empowered Evocation, so we'll add our Intelligence modifier to damage from evocation spells.
1: Then we'll take six levels of Sorcerer. This gives you seven Sorcerer spells known, which uh, go up to third level. Your Draconic Origin will be silver or white for cold damage. And your Draconic Resilience gives you one hit point per level and 13 plus dex AC without wearing armor.
0: And I like this one because uh, Mei is uh, one of the highest health of the DPS characters. So kind of kind of fits that she's a little sturdier than everyone else. Uh, then at level two, you'll get Font of Magic, which will give you six sorcery points, which you can use for your meta magic or to trade into uh, more spell slots. Uh, level three, you'll get meta magic. Of course, we always like to take Quicken Spell. Um, twin Spell is also good.
1: And then at six, Elemental Affinity, you can add your charisma modifier to one cold damage roll uh, per round, and you can spell. You can spend a sorcery point to gain cold resistance for an hour. It's actually per spell. Per spell.
0: Then uh, we'll finish out Wizard 14. Uh, we'll get 7th level spells, and then our capstone is Overchannel, uh, an ability we rarely get to in the Character Creation Forge, but uh, it lets you maximize damage for a spell up to 5th level. Um, so you just choose to do that. Um, and then the second time, and, and every progressive time you do that, after the first, uh, before you take a long rest, you will take uh, increasing necrotic damage uh, for doing that. So it'll be 2d12 the... F- the second time you use it 3d12 the third time etc uh starts to stack up eventually but you know it's always good for a couple couple uses um and then of course what makes this build may is going to be its full accompaniment of cold spells so i think finally with xanathars we have enough to make this work uh we've got ray of frost and frostbite are your your cantrip um frostbite of course is a saving throw so that'll help um ice knife frost fingers i think these are both good indications of her like shooting icicles at people um and then uh ice storm is of course what is that but a blizzard cone of cold canonically freezes people if they die from it uh wall of ice at level six will you know create maze walls and then investiture of ice is just kind of you can just you know Use a, an area effect um, a cold damage cone at will now um, whenever you want to. so it's a it's a neat little like power up
1: and it's immunity to cold damage, which uh, also means that you can you know drop those spells right on your own head and not worry about it. <laughs> right,
0: as if you weren't going to sculpt them anyway <laughs> <laughs> All right, so before we wrap up, we want to take a moment and thank our Patreon supporters. Your support is what makes it possible for
1: us to keep doing this show every single week. So if you'd like to learn more, you can check out all our rewards at patreon.com slash totalpartythrill.
0: You can also leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to support the show and help other people find us. And if you do, we will read it on the air. So what do we have planned for next week's episode? We're talking about
1: Verisimilitude.
0: And in the Character Creation Forge? We're building Winston. Well, that's it for episode 272 of Total Party Thrill. I hope we lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. Total Party Thrill is brought to you this week by Cobalt Press.
1: Cobalt Press has a new Kickstarter, the Scarlet Citadel. Once a functional fortress in the cradle of wizards, little now remains of it on the surface. But it is a place known among adventurers and lore keepers and well-trod stairs lead down into the dark depths.
0: This is the first dungeon-centric adventure design that Cobalt Press has tackled for 5th edition, and the design effort is led by TSR and Wizards of the Coast veteran Steve Winter, working with notes and characters from Cobalt Press publisher Wolfgang Bauer's home game.
1: It's got at least six levels of dungeon exploration with lavish maps, and a town base, and dependencies of additional monsters and characters. Um, I'm going to put the Tarask in there?
0: (laughs) Of course you are. Mm-hmm. or at least a, ter- a scroll of Tarasque summoning and who then we'll just see what happens I look forward to reading about it in the full suite of PDF and virtual tabletop options that are available on Roll20 and Fantasy Grounds
1: so to find out more and back it now head to koboldpress.com